you beat Mike. Steve. Good, man. Finally warming up out there. Yeah. What's going on? Yeah, so Brad's popping up. Popping on that do not disturb real quick. No, no, very good. Yeah. Brad, tell me like you a few things. Um, anything top of mind that you want to start with? Yeah. Well, I mean, you guys kind of have having a thought around kind of who we are from like a interest perspective a skill perspective um i think grappling with the question of how to define yourself uh it's pretty tough um but i found this cool quote from this guy alan watts this british guy who kind of popularized like buddhism and and zen um he said trying to define yourself is like trying to bite your own teeth uh it was a cool cool image um but I think, yeah, just kicking it off, like, it, it, without getting too philosophical, I think just kind of looking kind of at the, the details of what we're interested in, what we're exploring, um, and then diving into some skills, kind of what we bring to the table could, could help kind of paint a picture of kind of where we're, why, where we're headed. Um, so, yeah, you want to just start with interests? Yeah, I, I would do uh, one thing before that. Um what how do you view our role in a podcast and then i think like the interests are more relevant Mm. so like if we like what what is our role as a host of a podcast is it you're the guide so like in story brand they talk about the guide where the other people have a problem and then is that us or are we the protagonist or how do you think through that I feel like I feel like we have enough differences in our personality that like we would hit a a, a decently sar- a, like large size audience that if we were the protagonist and brought on uh, guests to to be the guide initially, I think that that might work out well. Um, or if we're at least just like putting ourselves in the position of the audience and asking a que- asking the questions in a way to the to the guests, um, that's kind of how I think about it. Yeah, I think, I mean, just thinking of like why I tune into a particular podcast, it's usually because I like the personality of the interviewer, you know, where the person kind of curating the information. Um, so I think naturally we'll, we'll be kind of the the main characters, if you will, but I think sharing kind of the, the airtime in a way that, that, that really honors the guests and makes the most of, of kind of their, their insights and their experiences. So kind of having them be the, um, the main person on the stage for whenever we bring them in. But I think we kind of, we kind of direct where things go and guide and curate um, and kind of focus the conversation. So I think, It'll be a balance, but I, I kind of see it naturally going toward the three of us as being the, the primary. Because I think it's important, like everyone says, like, you got to make, you know, the person listening, the the hero 
of the story, or at least like that's what I've heard. But if you think about uh, no matter how good a guest is, if you think about if that guest has been on multiple podcasts, you're going to choose you're going to choose the podcast that you really in terms of the interviewer, in my opinion. Um, so I feel like there's a lot of weight and importance on like how we structure our podcast, how we, you know, bring our strengths to the table. Um, I think it's sometimes easy to focus too much on, on the audience, but I think, uh, I think the interviewers, meaning us is extremely important. And like what makes, so I guess what I was getting at is what makes a good interviewer? Is it, Obviously, your interests and your skills are there, but like, why do you tune into Tim Ferriss versus you would tune into Joe Rogan versus uh, Tom Bilyeu? Like, what are you looking for there and what are they giving to you? So, so my my opinion, like, it's, it's extremely subjective. So, like, I, I think the way you tackle that is through just authenticity and, like, and interviewing in a way you would want to listen. I feel like it's easy to just kind of act like you're, it's easier just to act like yourself than trying to act like a certain person that an, this quote unquote audience member would like. Mm-hmm. I feel like if you could just be yourself and ask the questions that you want answered, you're probably surprised how many people think the same way. And I think that's why our personalities help a lot because i may ask more tactical questions um you guys may ask more high level questions i think it hits a wide range of audience um so i feel like just kind of attacking it from an individual level makes uh, the three of us powerful three just immediate thoughts i think mike you you continue to say this and i i i really agree that you have to be entertaining first so i think we have to kind of bring enough to the table for like people to want to hang out with us for an hour, you know, really just think about like, this is a space we can kind of hang out, make people feel comfortable um, and entertained. And I think just like any good story, it's about empathizing with the main character. That's why some people will like a movie. Other people will not. It's, it's how they relate to the character. I think that's Steve kind of what you're saying. Like it's, it's very individualized, but I think empathy is, is kind of second. Do they empathize with the three of us or could they find someone to ground themselves in um, among the three of us and then trust. So that's going to probably come out in the, you know, our ability to ask good questions um, and then also to tell a good story. But I think in the end, it's like, did someone in the end, like how did they feel after listening or how did they feel during, you know, the, uh, the, the interview or, the, or just the discussion. So really kind of evoking the feeling. And I think if you evoke good feelings, that's trust. You know, plain and simple. And, and Brett, going to your uh, first point, um, you know, talk about educate uh, or entertain, um, entertain first. What do you guys think about, like, what is entertaining to you? Like, for some reason, I keep thinking, like, when I hear that, I'm thinking, all right, I got to make you know, I got to make these people laugh. And, but then I think about like going on a lot of these podcasts, it's not like I'm openly laughing. So like, what is it that, how do you guys define like entertaining? Like, what do you think needs to be included uh, in that sense? Well, asking the right questions is probably like the main 
aspect of entertaining. Like if you're sitting there listening to a podcast and you have a question in your mind and the interviewer is not asking it, that's obviously not entertaining. Um, I think disagreements are entertaining, especially like if they're directed towards trying to figure something out, like any uh, bit of conflict, but like obviously not like violent conflict, but some sort of conflict where you strongly feel one way, someone else feels the other way. And I think you could add humor to that too. And, but humor has got to be like natural. Those would be my three uh, pillars of entertainment. Yeah, I agree with the humor. I mean, just, we're just having a sense of humor, you know, just having a good, you know, being kind of easygoing, but also um, not trying too hard. You know, I think that's really what it is. Not trying too hard, not trying to manipulate or anything. It's just kind of being yourself. Um, but I think of like setups and payoffs. So I think the question is kind of the setup and the answer will be the payoff. But then another payoff or kind of a, a twist, I think will be those, you know, different worldviews, different perspectives, you know, and, and taking people through that. Um, and just, again, like natural discussion, I think we gravitate towards like deep discussions um, and some could be like really high level. Others could just be like really in the details and in the weeds and just kind of, kind of toggling back and forth between those. I mean, I'm, yeah, I feel like we've listened to enough interviews for us to kind of know what's, what's good, what's not. And we're going to make mistakes. And like, that's the other thing is like the imperfections actually make it more real. So I think some imperfections are fine. Um, I think it makes it a little more relatable. Yeah. And, and also like a conversation is like by nature, not perfect. Like it goes back and forth. It goes on tangents. It, it does whatever. But like, for me, that's one of the things I value about Rogan. Cause it'll be like, Hey Joe, my dad just died. And he'll be like, yo, Jamie, pull up that video of that monkey who's spear fishing. And you're like, what are you talking about, dude? You just went completely in the wrong direction. <laughs> but that's entertaining to me. It is. So if you go back to worldview, like I could think of like the main pillar of our worldviews, like Steve just out of college has, um, you know, a traditional job trying to start his own side hustle. You're a little bit older. You're more worried about raising your kids. You've been in a job for longer, but still have that passion on the side. And then me, I'm kind of like non-traditional job, trying to figure out my career path as I go. What would you add to those sort of main basic worldviews? I think we have a good age span as well. Yeah, Brett. Yeah, Brett, where are you at in terms of – because me and Mike talk about this all the time where I'm very tactical. Like I just want to – like I I like that step-by-step stuff. Um, You know, that's why like, you know, a Dave Ramsey plan or something, regardless of what you think about it, like the plan itself, you know, being step-by-step is really attractive to me because I just like, all right, I completed this going on to the next. Uh, where, you know, Mike's definitely very high level, like wants problems that are extremely difficult. There's no step-by-step program to solve it. Uh, Where do you feel like you fit? uh, Do you fit like somewhere in the middle or do you gravitate towards one or the other? 
I think I've played around with both enough. Uh, I, I think you kind of need both. Like I, it's, I've, I've found that uh, potentially it's, it's more for me, it's, it's starting with why. So that's for me, like it has to be a strong why, like why the heck am I doing any of this? Um, and then dive into more of like the, the what and how, uh, and even the who, like who should I look to, to kind of pursue this, this path. Um, once I've kind of defined a why, and I think my big why in the most basic terms. And I think, uh, you know, I pursued degrees in history and film. It, it's, it's all about truth. So pathways to truth, like how do I find truth through storytelling? How do I find truth through research? Um, and then now like through, through faith, that's another kind of way I'm trying to do it as well as like, how do I pursue truth through, through faith and grappling with, you know, a lot of my skepticism. Uh, but also I think I'm, I'm more, I, I think I've discovered now I'm more of a like heart centered person than a mind centered person. I think I lead with feeling first. Yeah, I would. I'm in terms of like Steve's question, I agree. Like you, I think you go kind of both ways there. Um, Nassim Taleb talks about like the barbell strategy where you have like high risk on one, one end and then you have, uh, low risk on the other end. And that's like the majority of your portfolio. So if you think about a barbell in a gym, that would be like the majority of the weights on the sides. I think of you more as like the bar. So like you can kind of go on either side of the weight and you kind of balance yourself in the middle. I think like you're the center voice here that understands Steve and understands me when we say something. That's a super helpful visual. Yeah, I can, I can see that. And I think, I think kind of playing those respective roles in the conversation um, really helps. And I think what's interesting, and that's where some disagreements kind of come in is like the three of us saying something unexpected, you know, and I think that's where that, that comes to like you know, a certain topic might come up and you might respond a certain way to it. That's like surprising to you and surprising to other people. Yeah. And then, um, so how, how does everyone think about that in terms of like when a guest comes on four voices in an hour, that's like not ideal. Like that may be too many voices, especially without video, but like say Ryan comes on, how do you think about that interview process and making sure that the guest is number one? And then the three, how do you think about the flow of all that? Uh, I would say, so you've talked about this, Mike, where you have like, you have like a really important, important point and you just don't know where, if you should like cut in or not. I think it's like, I think it's super okay to cut in like when Brett and I are talking about if you feel like it adds like, you know, ton of value uh, to the conversation that we're talking about. I feel like when it comes to a guest though, something that for me that I really enjoy is when, you know, interviewers let the guests finish with an answer. And I feel like, especially with four people, um, that's even more important. If, if all three of us have, uh, you know, the freedom to cut in whenever we feel like it, I think there's just too many people there and it can get really messy. So 
I think if we're bringing on a guest, I think letting them answer is extremely important. Um, I don't have a ton else that I got to think about it more, but that's definitely one thing that that popped out is just making sure we're, we're letting the guests finish their answer and not cutting in too much. Yeah, Steve, hundred percent. I mean, that, well, I think it goes to the, why you listen to certain interviewers, you know, if they're, if they're cutting people off, um, it just takes you out of it. And it's kind of just, it's frustrating. Um, so that, honestly, I think just establishing amongst the three of us, uh, some norms, some structures, that will, will help us kind of mitigate any of those situations where like all three of us are jumping in to tackle like a, a response or another question. Um, I think you can kind of build out the bones of it pretty easily. And yeah, it's gonna be imperfect, but I think we all kind of have a, a pretty good sense of where one of us may wanna jump in. And also just like equity of voice, you know, understanding like, it's like, okay, I. I just talked for 15 minutes. Like, let me, uh, let me hop off mic for the rest of this. And yeah. So what it really comes down to then it seems like is uh better question. So like, yeah, these, these people go on these podcast tours and it's like, once you've seen one interview, you've pretty much seen them all because they're all asking the same question. So it would be, better questions would be the differentiator. How do you think about better questions? Like what is a way to get to better questions? What is a way to differentiate in the questions you're asking? I'd say uh, one of the, one of the best questions that, it's kind of like a cheat in a way it's like asking the question of like, you know, what's one thing that you wished I asked you, Yeah, <laughs> you know, like really helps to kind of let them maybe speak to a point that they may not have gotten to before. Um, and that could also really be one of the best questions to kind of get them talking about one of their interests or, or points. But um, I think almost, kind of setting a little bit of an agenda in the beginning of like, okay, I want to make sure we hit on these key pieces. Um, but how, how do we elicit a response that really taps into like the, the character of the guest? So really thinking about the story, but um, really thinking about stuff like, you know, turning points in their lives, um, but also like, you know, what was going through your head at that moment or, you know, just really kind of diving into like the psychology, like the inner workings, like we were talking about. If we try to dial into that, um, it, it could help really kind of get some of those, um, some those thought processes going for the guests to, that they may not have engaged in before. You know, it's, it's really not asking those surface level questions, uh, but really the psychology. Yeah, and that probably to add comes down to some research before, and um, you know, it's kind of for me in my mind that's like the Sean Evans effect, the guy from Hot Ones. They always say like, "Wow, man, you asked the best questions. Like, how the hell did you figure that out?" And back to your trust point, that kind of builds the trust for the rest of the interview. Like, if you can come up with something that they're like, "Jesus, how did you know that, dude?" Like, you kind of build rapport and trust just in one question. 
Yeah, my only my only counter to that, Mike, because I was thinking about that exact same point, uh, is at least uh, for the initial guests. Like, I'm assuming they're not going to have a ton of footprint on on the like on Google. I mean, they may have if we're finding them, but like, what do you guys think about that? Like, it's not like googling like a Gary V or someone that has a ton of footprint on the on the internet where you can get a ton of information. Like, how do you how would you go about researching? A lot of our early guests stalk their Facebook. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I saw in uh, 2013, you had a small dog. What happened to that dog? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and I think like, you know, there's ways to kind of get under it and just, just kind of like asking questions like, you know, what do people normally get wrong about you? Um, you know, kind of like letting, letting them build their character, letting them kind of, you know, bring things to the table that are kind of unknowns, but I don't know, we can be creative with it. And I think we'll have to definitely workshop them and test them out and just kind of, yeah, the more, the more we talk about it here, the easier it feels for me. Like, yep. it's just like, Hey, it doesn't really matter. Just get someone on, talk to them. All right. We'll figure something out. Um, and obviously you get better over time. I, I like that Jordan Peterson thing of, uh, start with a shitty plan. So you make a shitty plan and then you iterate on top of it. He thinks that's like the quickest way rather than like, Oh, let's sit here for hours and hours and hours and make the best plan. I think it's a balance, but um, start with a shitty plan and then just iterate on top of it. I think is a good philosophy for moving forward. So you've been thinking about just like play around with the idea and thinking about, um, bringing Ryan on as a guest, like, how would you guys think about even like starting it? Uh, do you, do you, do you jump right into the questions you want to ask? Um, like, where do you guys, where do you guys see, uh, the balance of like the initial small talk versus just getting right into it? Like, how do you guys think about that stuff? And you can use Ryan, like as an example, just to like get the, just for the exercise. Yeah, Ryan, uh, cousin Mike here. How's Florida? <laughs> that that would be my intro. <laughs> That's a shitty first time. <laughs> uh, no, I mean, I, I think about, you know, try, try not to be redundant here, but like what – do, do you want to start, you know, the end, the middle, the beginning of the of of his story or what, what we think his story is? You know, I'm his brother. I, I don't even know his story. So I would say. Um, I mean, what you could do, and, and this is what some interviewers do, is like they just focus on the present moment. It's like, all right, so it's May 30th. Uh, you know, coronavirus, quarantine, pandemic, you're in Florida, how's that going? Just kind of warming up there because as a business owner, it's, it could be interesting. It's very like topical, but you know, people listen to that a year from now. It's like, eh, what is it? It it might take them out of it. So it's like, do you go with like the very present or do you got kind of go with something that's a little more evergreen? Yeah. I I think again, it seems like all the answers comes back to it's a balance, but I would say it's a balance because like 
there's also some times when you're listening and you're like, some big news happened and you're like, why the hell are they not talking about that? So it feels like a little cold in the moment. It might work better a year from now, but if we got people going back a year into our podcast, we're doing something right, huh? <laughs> yeah, so I think topical, it, it makes sense. I mean, it's also the easiest, I think, to engage with um, because it's a common reference point for all four of us. Yeah, it's like, it's small talk. It's like, uh, ah, lovely weather we're having today. How you been? <laughs> Stevie, what do you got? Yeah, because, yeah, it's the it's definitely, it's subjective. Because, like, for me, if Ryan was brought on, like, I'd be, you know, I'd be curious of, like, what even sparked the inspiration to, you know, start your own T like our t-shirt. Like he did like a t-shirt store. If I'm remembering correctly, like even dating back to that kind of stuff, that would be interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know if it, it just, I'm trying to think of like, how can you start to game plan um, how you build an episode out? And I'm wondering, is it building like a, a set way of interviewing or is it entirely based on the guest? Um, like is is Ryan his background requiring different uh, different practice and preparation than someone else, or is it like a, kind of like a structured way of doing it? But that's just how my brain always works, so that may not work for either of you. Um, I think there's a structure that could work for most guests. I mean, I think there's like um, you know, there's some basic points to hit on but asking questions that get them to talk about their their thought process as well as kind of just like the emotion of it, just kind of like asking about asking about fear and desire, you know, just trying to get it, get at those core, core emotions. Um, and just kind of like how they think about, I mean, I think we talked about last time, like how do you, what's your relationship with risk? Um, you know, what do you think, you know, got you to where you are? Like, you know, what, what kind of went into it? Um, just kind of thinking of the ingredients of entrepreneurship and how it's going to look different for people. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's kind of just trying to be as broad as possible to then kind of narrow it down to, to their specific story. Yeah. I think, I think emotions are huge. Cause I think that's what a lot of podcasts are missing. You have like this perfectly crafted story, and you just repeat it over and over again. But if you throw in some sort of an emotion question or like, how are you feeling through this process? That That's what I'm looking for in podcast from a lot of these people. Like, tell me when it was most scary. Tell me when, um, you know, what was your first entrepreneurial moment? Like the oldest kind of thing you can remember being an entrepreneur. It's going to be like, oh, I went around the block and shoveled driveways or, oh, I painted and sold shells whatever it is but i think those are cool stories too that maybe again build trust and it's like all right this is this is a different sort of conversation out of curiosity brett um you know thinking back to childhood uh as a kid were you encouraged or put in any positions to take on like an entrepreneurial role uh, whether it is like, uh, you know, pulling a Mark Cuban and selling garbage bags door to door or like, 
um, and do you feel like it might be tough to remember? Do you feel like Ryan was exposed to any of those things early? Just curious how, like, yeah. you know, coming from because even my family, I think we're, we're we're similar, but we're we're different in many ways. So it's just interesting to think about how childhood like kind of impacted how you are as an adult. Yeah, I mean this this actually might not be something you guys are super familiar with like my dad um i mean he's sold sports cards and sports memorabilia his whole life he's still doing it now in retirement he's actually like he's kind of crushing it right now he's he's doing it a lot um so i mean i saw that growing up i would go with my dad to card shows you know like go to hofstra university he would like sit up a table put out his cards kind of wheel and deal um so I would go, I would go to a lot of those with him uh, and like earn whatever, 10 bucks for the day so I can get a few packs of cards. You know, funnily enough, in the beginning, I was buying just like, you know, baseball, hockey, basketball, you know, and then I turned to, to Star Wars cards. Um, but yeah, he definitely instilled in me that like you can have a side hustle. And I mean, yeah, he, he definitely is, is pretty attuned to like the market of, of sports and sports memorabilia. And he can really uh, uh, get, get super detailed on stuff. I mean, he's, he's sending cards out now to kind of to like rating agencies to like get them rated and graded. Um, so that was like probably my first exposure. And then just like, you know, picking up a snow shovel, shoveling driveways with friends, raking leaves. Uh, I went to like stores in town with a broom to be like, Hey, you got a lot of sand in your parking lot. Let me sweep that up for you for 20 bucks. So I did that probably when I was in like fourth, fifth, sixth grade, maybe. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I feel like I kind of always had that bug to like kind of go out on my own and do stuff. And then had a ton of like odd jobs from, you know, 13 to 24 doing all sorts of stuff including being like a janitor at my, at my high school for two summers, working 40 hours a week, you know, waxing floors. Oh, wow, I didn't know that. Yeah, I didn't know that either. And Sam, Sam has her own thing going now too, right? Where she's uh, restoring furniture. Yeah, she had her own shop. She was doing that. Uh, she was even doing some like interior design stuff. She got some clients, but with kids and all, she's kind of taking, uh, little bit of hiatus from that um but she's still like she has an etsy store and she's selling um like kind of screen prints like sayings that you can kind of buy as pdfs to print on whatever you know uh canvas or a mug or something she's doing pretty well with that and that's that's cool because she doesn't have to like make it herself she just kind of makes it once and then sells the the image yeah yeah it's uh, i think even uh obviously like parents are like that, but even if you think about grandpa, grandpa's the same way. It's very uh, entrepreneurial, very think through things, uh, collect all those same qualities. Very true. And if you think through the family, like Melissa's got her own Etsy store with, she sells like hats or something, but it's like everyone kind of has this in the DNA and we're all trying to hash out in different ways, but I think Ryan's been the person who's kind of most dove into it. hundred percent. So can we get Ryan on next week or how does that work? 
Yeah, I'm going to keep bugging him. Okay. Uh, I've, I've told him a few times. He actually did a podcast with someone a while back, he said. Um, <laughs> but he's he's excited to, to hop on with us. So, yeah, I'll try to. I'll try to lock something in. Yeah, Ryan, you mind uh, passing that podcast along so uh, we know what we're doing? <laughs> <laughs> he said he struggled with it. He's like, yeah, I, he's like, I couldn't form a, a complete thing. Yeah, well, that that's, again, like where, like, the trust and, like, the funny and all that comes. So it's, like, a lot easier for him to do all that. Exactly. Yeah. That's probably one of the things that Rogan is the best at because you get on there and, like, someone will be – freaking out and he'll either you know he's got a good personality to keep asking questions or he's just really good at kind of relating to people so that's another entertainment factor that you could add to the list yeah i think it's also easy to like kind of put that as like label him as like the natural or whatever but i feel like that just really comes with a ton of practice i feel like the more you practice it the more you seem like a natural um, so that's why, you know, just getting into the, getting into the fire and start asking questions to real guests, I think is going to help a ton. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you watch uh JRE number one, he ain't no natural. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. But the first video, we should definitely, uh, put some snowflakes on our video as well, just to, uh, yeah. So, just, we yeah. don't even have it. Yeah. Just put Keep the tradition anyway. alive, you know? <laughs> All right. So yeah, go ahead. One wonder kind of with you guys, I have a decent sense of it, but you know, what, what are you interested in that people would be surprised by? You can start Mike, I guess I'm with it. Paintings from the 1400s. <laughs> The year, your favorite artist? the year, uh, the era fourteen hundred to fourteen oh seven. There's this guy. Some good uh, Dutch painters. Yeah, there's this uh, this guy, uh, Jerhoen Verhoen. Jerhoen Verhoen. Yeah, he's good. Yeah. All right. Uh, <laughs> Or just interest in general yeah, yeah. interest I, that you think. Right now, I'm really, like, dialing into, like, business, finance, and, like, how things work. And, I mean, I'm on, I'm on like, a little uh, structure of society path right now, which is kind of, like, a weird interest. But I'm watching videos on YouTube that are, like, why are streets made the way streets are made? So, like, why does the cul-de-sac, why did that come to be? And, like, all the planning to kind of lay out a grid of, like, buildings and streets and then the structure of like the food industry and why the cattle ranchers are getting screwed through this and like why there's going to be meat shortages and why the quality of our meat has gone down. So like big picture structure stuff is a weird topic that I've been diving heavy into. We should definitely get a guest on that talks about that. Yeah. That, that, that would be cool. Yeah. Like even like these cattle ranchers, like you can learn a lot about nutrition and like, and why the why the way why things are the way they are just by talking to like a cattle rancher yeah they seem like reachable Uh, and i I think they're almost more interesting because you could uh 
it's like w- why like for example meat the meat production was changed because McDonald's orders the most meat so they needed a consistent patty that would taste the same all across the country and then all across the world and that's why we changed our supply chains and all of our infrastructure around farming so that's like an interesting thing that probably not a lot of people know that explains a lot with what's going on with nutrition in current day did you guys see the movie the founder is that on that's on ray crock right yeah yeah i've seen uh most of it solid movie yeah there's this really good documentary on uh I bought it on YouTube. It's like a dollar an episode, but it's called the foods that built America. And it's on, I think history channel. Unbelievable. It goes through KFC, McDonald's, Hershey's, all the big name, Coca-Cola, all the big name food companies and kind of like goes through their histories and how they were formed. It's really good. Highly recommended. Best documentary of the week. Steve, what do you got for uh, interests? Yeah, I mean, for me, like, you two know it. So, like, really getting into the weeds of, like, nutrition and and just, like, trying, you know, specific ways of eating. um, You know, that's not necessarily surprising, like, to to you. But I feel like um, that doesn't always show through to, let's say, like, the people in, like, in my job, like, um, that's something that I've been trying to, to work on. Uh, obviously now I'm working from home, but like prior to that, I was trying to work on like bringing my complete self regardless of the situation. Uh, I feel like I try to mold to situations too often. So like I'll kind of adjust my personality depending on, you know, what's needed in that situation. Uh, and I just feel like that's a bad, like, that's a bad path to go down, uh, because then you're never truly any, like anything. So like, you're not connecting with, you're trying to connect with everybody. So you're not connecting with anyone. Um, I don't know if you guys feel like, I don't know if you guys deal with that at all. Um, but I, I definitely noticed it from, you know, like my dad and my brothers, like they, they tend to do the same. So I kind of, pick that up where I'm trying to break free from that, where like, I'm just going to bring who I am to the situation always. And then like, just being okay with the potential chance that you're not going to agree or not going to like, you know, my viewpoints or personality, like that's perfectly fine because when you are actually yourself, you actually, you'll connect with someone on a deeper level than if you're trying to connect with anyone. Um, I don't know if you guys deal with that at all in, in social settings. I know I went on a little tangent there, but, um, I find that to be interesting as well. No, dude, all the time. (laughs) Like that's uh, bringing your whole self, you know, especially to work. Oh my gosh. It's uh, that's tough. And, and it's, and I think it has something to do with uh, risk. You know, there's definitely like taking a risk at work is kind of hard. Sometimes you're like with those folks all the time. And like you say something and someone's like, Whoa, definitely didn't think you liked that guy. Um, (laughs) Like if I even bring up like Jordan Peterson, like people will be like, oh, that guy, he's, he's crazy right wing. And I'm like, that's not really, but, um, you know, there's, there's stuff like that, that unfortunately just kind of 
gets in the way of solid relationships. I feel like a lot of the relationships that I've found at work tend to be superficial or transactional. Um, but I've had some, some pretty close and deep, deep friend friendships and it's where I've been able to just kind of be myself. Um, Yeah, I agree with that. I feel like, uh, you know, it tends to be superficial, but like, then I try to flip it on its head and like question myself and my like assuming things and like creating a reality that doesn't necessarily have to be. Um, so I, I think about that a lot because I feel like I face something similar in the, in the work culture that like, I'm not really talking about these conversations that the three of us are talking about ever, but is that because I'm not, taking the lead and bringing it up or is it just simply you know i'm going down a, a different path from like an intellectual standpoint mm-hmm. uh and w- one thing that so I, it took it it took a long time for me to kind of get here but like just saying to a colleague like someone said like oh what are you doing this weekend and i'm like i'm actually hosting game night with my church and that was like big because it was like you know people don't think of me as like a church person um i still have a, a weird time with it you know because I, I haven't really been but uh just saying that and then just kind of saying like yeah here's here's kind of like why that's important to me you know it's, it's all about for me it's all about community uh and it's all about kind of compassion for other people and like and, and we have a pretty like hyper local church it's like kind of all centered around our our neighborhood for the about kind of south brooklyn um but yeah like I felt so much better after I said it. I was like, okay, cool. Like I'm able to bring like 10% more of myself to work. Um, I just tried kind of trying to find situations where I could bring it up more again, like not in this like threatening way where like, oh my gosh, this guy's going to start talking about Jesus. Like that's like not at all what I'm going to do. You know, like (laughs) it's more just about kind of like how, again, going back to like truth, like I'm using that as a way to kind of, pursue truth through the lens of faith and like for me it's like i'm still trying to understand a lot of these mysteries that are around me that like i just don't understand and like i'm kind of resorting to faith to kind of understand that versus through like the the mind again it's more going into like the heart so bring your heart to work is hard but i've found like it's the only way for me to like lead a team is to like be empathetic and compassionate and real it's it's really the only way to do it successfully from like from my vantage point yeah and i I think about like i think about my own life where uh i've always had like a small group of friends so like in high school i had a small group of friends and then like to say i've really like one true like good best friend and i i would take that over you know, 10 or 15 friends, any like average friends, any day of the week, like one true, like brother, like friendship type thing. So like knowing that I, I wonder like why I try to like, why I feel the need to be liked by so many people when I don't really require many relationships. Like I just, I'd rather way rather, you know, quality over quantity. Um, so I don't know if it's like a insecurity thing, but understand like i understand that i want just a i'd rather a handful of quality relationships than you know 15 or 20 average uh so interested why like i act that way but uh 
Yeah, but that's like deeply genetic and like reptile brain. Because like if you got turned away by the tribe, you're you wouldn't survive. So it's normal to kind of like that's how a society's built. Everyone's doing the same thing. It's yeah. it's not you. It's it's a very human condition. Yeah, self-preservation. But I think there's kind of like levels to it. You know, I think some of us kind of um, are okay with just having like 10 or 15 kind of like acquaintances or, or average friends. And others like, you know, you have that like deep desire to have like a, a very close friendship. Um, yeah, I mean, I think it kind of is is kind of on a, on a scale. Um, but yeah, I think to that end, like there's there are kind of your, your interests, um, uh, your skills, but also kind of like your behaviors. And I think for me, a big behavior is just like relationships, like how you relate to people. What do your relationships look like? Um, so Steve, you kind of, you talked about that a bit, but like, Mike, what do you think about kind of relationships in terms of like friends, family? Yeah, I'd, I've been thinking, I think like from a general worldview, I think family is going to become more important over the next 10 years. I think like maybe the last 20 years, like the family's kind of broke up. You could see it in our family and how everyone's moved all across the world. And, you know, we grew up, we had the benefit of having all the cousins close, all the aunts close. You know, we had 30 people every day in the summer. Um, and that's over the last five to 10 years kind of broken up. I think that's going to come back moving forward. I think there's going to be more of a push to family, more of a push to faith. Like I think religion's going to make like a little bounce back here. Um, I think people in general are looking for quality relationships. And I think that's something that's kind of been put on the back burner for the last five, 10, 20 years. I, I know that's what I'm looking for. I know you two are looking for that. It seems like it's coming back roaring. <laughs> yeah. And the pandemic definitely has, has, I think, made it crystal clear to people, like, how much they need people. And that people, especially in person, I think, or, or just like human connection brings you, brings you energy that nothing else really can. Yeah. Yeah, even if you're introverted, like you, you need to, regardless of your personality type, social is in a way like oxygen, like you need to be around uh, other people. Um, it's less, like you're saying, it's levels to it. It's less for some, more for others, but it's definitely like a requirement. What? Well, um, Brett, how do you think about... No, just one point. Ahead, I think uh, everything's moving more local, too. I think you're seeing that, like, from a... Local is family, and I think we're, we're kind of... You know, Amazon... Like, you had, like, the Amazon era here where we kind of, like, offloaded everything to a distant entity, and then you had Facebook and all that stuff, and that kind of covered your relationships and your social. I think everything's moving back local, and if you think about what is local, it's your community... It's your family, and then it would be like historically, like some sort of a church or faith based thing. Mm -hmm. um, you know, Sunday dinners for Italians, that four o'clock Sunday dinner at grandma's house. Uh, I think all that stuff's gonna 
yeah, that's all local, and I think that's kind of where we're going heading forward. Go ahead, Steve. Yeah, I was just going to ask, like, what Brett's thoughts were on, like, doubling down on the on the the tr- like the quote unquote tribe you have and creating your own tribe. So, like, um, like my family is not going to really be able to provide what I need from like these types of conversations. Like, so like going out and trying to build like my own tribe, that's going to like be interested in these things. I'm curious if you've given that any thought, like, yeah, I don't know. Just like, how, how do I, how do I build a circle around? I think around that I mean, interest family is always going to be a part of your life, you know, just to some degree. Um, and I feel like in some cases you kind of fight for it. So in my situation, I mean, my whole like kind of nuclear family could be in Florida, you know, within a year and yeah, that's tough for me, but you know, in, in making a decision, it's like, do I choose Florida or Brooklyn? And I'm like, yeah, I choose Brooklyn because that's for me, like I'm, I'm, we call it doing life in, in our church, like doing life together. Um, if you, if you think about like, who, who are you doing life with? Uh, what are the, the key elements of that? Um, I really think that like, you are able to kind of choose your friends. You're not really able to choose your family. And no matter how strong your family is, um, there's going to be some gaps, you know? And, and I think it's important to, for me, it's like a push and pull. So like, who, who am I kind of like pulling toward me by again, like being authentic and real and like really putting myself out there and not just being like kind of an empty vessel so I can kind of like attract. Um, But then also like, what am I seeking? So trying to be proactive about like, okay, who's kind of in my local neighborhood that I could, that I can connect with on these things. Um, and And the funny thing is like, just my interest from like, whatever, fifth, sixth grade, I played this like nerdy Star Wars game. You know, it really got me into like, playing games and that's been like a conduit for me just to connect with other dads in the neighborhood and like once a month like hey like let's rotate houses and just like play some strategy games together and just kind of like build relationships through that um and that's been like the past five years and it's been just like tremendous i've helped like grow a circle of friends just through like one interest um but it brings like a diverse kind of set of people to the table Yeah, it's important that you took action on that because, like, even how you prefaced it, you're saying, like, you know, I started this nerdy game. It's easy to put, like, a label, like, on it and make it seem like that it's, like, all right, no one's going to be interested in this. So I think it's important to note that, that, like, there's more people Mm -hmm. like you than you think. I think that's an important takeaway for me as well is, like, you always think you're, like, some this unique person that not a lot of people are going to relate to, but – I think you, yeah, I think, and I'm talking to myself mainly is like, you're probably surprised with the reception you get. If you're authentic more, like you're probably going to receive positive more than you are negative. Um, And even in your own family, 
how do you go about like if you're getting negative like like you said you can't choose mm-hmm. your family or you can choose friends but like when it comes to family if you're receiving like negative energy um how do you go about like distancing yourself from that or making sure that like doesn't take over real estate in your brain it's hard it's, it's hard like, because it's, it's kind of yeah you know i'm sure you guys have had this experience but like you know you go to your childhood home um or just kind of put yourself in situations that remind you of childhood. It's like your, your identity changes pretty quickly. Um, so I think it's really zooming out and identifying the, the, the key boundaries that you need to kind of set. And I think one boundary can be physical, you know, so having a distance, but I think the other is, is really kind of the emotional and setting those emotional boundaries um, and being, being very explicit about those. Cause I think in families, I mean, it's classic. Like so many things are like left unsaid, like all the time. And especially around the holidays, there's always like these heightened feelings. Um, so I think, I think what I've learned is just like, it's, it's about boundaries and being clear. And again, like bringing your full self and just be like, yep, this is who I am. And like, this is, you know, and I am, I'm an adult. (laughs) And, and that's also the hardest thing. I think so many people struggle with is like, you're not the person you were when you were 13. And like, that's just, that's just a fact. And I think you can often get pigeonholed in your family as being one thing. Yeah. I'll say uh, in Burma, Corey talks about this a lot where he, he spent six months in Burma and he's like meditating for six months straight and he comes home and he sits down in uh, like the, childhood seed he used to eat dinner at and he's like i got triggered by everything it's like i just spent six months meditating i thought i was enlightened i thought i did all these things the minute i sat in that childhood chair at the childhood dinner table it all came back so he's like (laughs) it you know just to show you like it's not like you're gonna override that with anything you do it's more like how how can you surf that wave and kind of uh know that that's gonna happen and still be okay and i think the way I try to think about things is I think about everything as like a tool and it's like whatever job you're doing or whatever tool you have that determines the next action. So like you wouldn't go to your parents and talk to them about health food, even though we do that all the time, but you would talk to maybe this group or someone else that you find. So it's kind of like what, if everyone's a tool, what is that tool useful for and what can it help me with? Or what is relevant to the tool? I think that's a good way to kind of look at it and look at yourself as kind of the tool belt that holds all the tools together. And we're at last word. So whoever wants it, take it. All right. No one wants it. Um, Yeah. Just to wrap up, I think, for me, uh, one of the things that I, I think uh, interviewing is something that it's hard to pre-plan. Obviously, you got to do a little bit of work. I think that work comes more in the direction of research. But I think it's something that, like, as long as you're having fun with it, it's going to be fun for everyone involved. Um, I think it's easy to overthink. I also think it's easy to underthink. So some sort of a balance between some pre-planning and then letting it flow, I think is the ideal strategy that you'll figure out as you do it. Yeah. 
Yeah, and I would say for me, uh, even asking those few questions on the latter half of this podcast, like they're a bit, po- you know, more personal, a bit more vulnerable, and like immediately my brain thinks, all right, this is this is boring for anyone if anyone's listening, uh, you know, I try to move the topic, but I actually think that those types of conversations are, are extremely important. And I think that there's going to be, I think there would be a lot of people that would relate to those type of questions. I think like, especially, you know, family boundaries, I think is a huge topic. Um, so I'm going to try to myself, try to bring, you know, if I'm feeling a vulnerable or I, f- I feel like I need to talk about something personal, I think I should have the freedom to do that. And I think the two of you should, think of it the same way i think that we have massive benefit with having three vantage points here and mike what you said about the barbell like i think we're going to get a lot of reps in through the three of us and and be able to provide feedback really like quickly and and kind of pivot you know as much as we need to um i think you know having these reps in already of just doing this podcast you know we're building trust getting a sense of kind of our flow and rhythm and just kind of like where I think where we're strong and kind of how we complement each other. So, yeah, I think we're going to get like, we're going to get the reps in and, but it's almost like, it's like three people working out, you know, for, for, for one kind of collective unit. So I'm pretty, I'm pretty stoked about that. Yeah. I think just to speak to that, I think like we've gotten a lot better at uh, even, I know exactly when you guys are going to talk now. And I know like in the beginning, that was even choppy where it's like, Oh, I got oh, oh, And it's like, stop and go. I don't feel like we do that nearly as much. And uh, that's just, obviously you couldn't be like, Hey, let's not cut each other off more. Uh, you had to just kind of like figure it out, get the rhythm down as you did it. And I think that'll continue to be valuable or improved. Uh, last, last word. Who wants it? 15 to 30 seconds. All right, I got it. So, Mike, you, you brought to mind this quote from Ram Das. He said, if you, if you oh. think you are enlightened, go spend a week with your family. <laughs> I like that. We're going quotes, and now i got to pull up a quote. <laughs> you know that same river twice quote? Yes. That's so my good. favorite quote ever. Do you know it off the top of your head? It's my favorite quote ever, but I couldn't quote it. You cannot step in the same river twice for it is not the same river and you are not the same person. Something like that. That's that's my last word. Steve. Same man, man. Yeah, this uh this podcast is brought to you by <clears throat> Sam Pellegrino. <laughs> Mineral water for the inner workings. This podcast brought to you by that's Sam Pellegrino. Got making tap water undrinkable since 1899 <laughs> all right peace till next saturday get ryan on enjoy the week boys brett you beat mike Steve. good man finally is warming up out there yeah, yeah. yeah. what's going on Yeah, so Brad- popping, popping on that do not disturb real quick. No, no, very good. Yeah. <laughs> All 
Um, Brad, sound like you have a few things. Um, anything top of mind that you want to start with? Yeah. Well, I mean, you guys kind of have having a thought around kind of who we are from like a you know interest perspective, a skill perspective. Um, I think grappling with the question of how to define yourself, uh, it's pretty tough. Um, but I found this cool quote from this guy alan watts this british guy who kind of popularized like buddhism and, and zen um he said trying to define yourself is like trying to bite your own teeth uh it was a cool cool image um but i think yeah just kicking it off like it, it, without getting too philosophical i think just kind of looking kind of at the the details of what we're interested in what we're exploring um and then diving into some skills, kind of what we bring to the table, could could help kind of paint a picture of kind of where we're, why where we're headed. Um, so yeah, you want to just start with interests? Yeah, I, I would do uh, one thing before that. Um, what? How do you view our role in a podcast? And then I think like the interests are more relevant. Mm. So like if we like what what is our role as a host of a podcast? Is it you're the guide? So like in story brand, they talk about the guide where the other people have a problem. And then is that us or are we the protagonist or how do you think through that? I feel like, I feel like we have enough differences in our personality that like we would hit a, a decently uh, like large size audience that if we were the protagonist and brought on uh guests to to be the guide initially i think that that might work out well um or for at least just like putting ourselves in the position of the audience and asking a question asking the questions in a way to the to the guests that, um that's kind of how i think about it Yeah, I think, I mean, just thinking of like why I tune into a particular podcast, it's usually because I like the personality of the interviewer, you know, or the person kind of curating the information. Um, so I think naturally we'll, we'll be kind of the, the main characters, if you will, but I think sharing kind of the, the airtime in a way that, that, that really honors the guest and makes the most of, of kind of their their insights and their experiences so kind of having them be the um the main person on the stage for whenever we bring them in but i think we kind of we kind of direct where things go and guide and curate um and kind of focus the conversation so i think it'll, it'll be a balance but i, I kind of see it naturally going toward the three of us as being the, the primary because I think it's important, like everyone says, like you got to make, you know, the person listening, the the hero of the story, or at least like that's what I've heard. But if you think about uh, no matter how good a guest is, if you think about if that guest has been on multiple podcasts, you're going to choose you're going to choose the podcast that you really in terms of the interviewer, in my opinion. Um, so I feel like there's a lot of weight and importance on like how we structure our podcast, how we, you know, bring our strengths to the table. Um, 
I think it's sometimes easy to focus too much on, on the audience, but I think, uh, I think the interviewers, meaning us is extremely important. And like what makes, so I guess what I was getting at is what makes a good interviewer? Is it obviously your interest and your skills are there, but like, why do you tune into Tim Ferriss versus you would tune into Joe Rogan versus uh, Tom Bilyeu? Like, what are you looking for there and what are they giving to you? So, so my, my opinion, like, it's the, it's extremely subjective. So, like, I, I think the way you tackle that is through just authenticity and, like, and interviewing in a way you would want to listen. I feel like it's easy to just kind of act like you're – it's easier just to act like yourself than trying to act like a certain person that an, this quote-unquote audience member would like. I feel like if you could just be yourself and ask the questions that you want answered, you're probably surprised how many people think the same way. And I think that's why our personalities help a lot because I may ask more tactical questions. Um, you guys may ask more high level questions. I think it hits a wide range of audience. Um, so I feel like just kind of attacking it from an individual level makes uh, the three of us powerful three just immediate thoughts i think mike you you continue to say this and I, I i i really agree that you have to be entertaining first so i think we have to kind of bring enough to the table for like people to want to hang out with us for an hour you know really just think about like this is a space we can kind of hang out make people feel comfortable um and entertained and i think just like any good story, it's about empathizing with the main character. That's why some people will like a movie, other people will not. It's it's how they relate to the character. I think that's Steve, kind of what you're saying. Like it's it's very individualized. But I think empathy is is kind of second. Do they empathize with the three of us, or could they find someone to ground themselves in um, among the three of us? And then trust. So that's going to probably come out in the you know our ability to ask good questions. Um, and then also to tell a good story. But I think in the end, it's like, did someone in the end, like, how did they feel after listening or how did they feel during, you know, the, uh, the, the interview or, the, or just the discussion? So really kind of evoking the feeling. And I think if you evoke good feelings, that's trust. You know, plain and simple. And, and Brett, going to your uh first point um you know talk about educate uh, or entertain um entertain first what do you guys think about like what is entertaining to you like for some reason i keep thinking like when i hear that i'm thinking all right i gotta make you know i gotta make these people laugh and but then i think about like going on a lot of these podcasts it's not like i'm openly laughing so like what is it that how do you guys define like entertaining like what do you think needs to be included uh, in that sense. Well, asking the right questions is probably like the main aspect of entertaining. Like if you're sitting there listening to a podcast and you have a question in your mind and the interviewer is not asking it, that's obviously not entertaining. Um, I think disagreements are entertaining, especially like if they're directed towards trying to figure something out, like any uh, bit of conflict, but like, Obviously not like 
violent conflict, but some sort of conflict where you strongly feel one way, someone else feels the other way. And I think you could add humor to that too. And, but humor has got to be like natural. Those would be my three uh, pillars of entertainment. Yeah, I agree with the humor. I mean, just, or just having a sense of humor, you know, just having a good, you know, being kind of easygoing, but also um, not trying too hard. You know, I think that's really what it is. Not trying too hard, not trying to manipulate or anything. It's just kind of being yourself. Um, but I think of like setups and payoffs. So I think the question is kind of the setup and the answer will be the payoff. But then another payoff or kind of a, a twist, I think will be those, you know, different worldviews, different perspectives, you know, and, and taking people through that. Um, and just, again, like natural discussion, I think we gravitate towards like deep discussions um, and some could be like really high level. Others could just be like really in the details and in the weeds and just kind of kind of toggling back and forth between those. I mean, I'm, yeah, I feel like we've listened to enough interviews for us to kind of know what's, what's good, what's not. And we're going to make mistakes. And like, that's the other thing is like, the imperfections actually make it more real. So I think some imperfections are fine. Um, I think it makes it a little more relatable. Yeah. And, and also like a conversation is like by nature, not perfect. Like it goes back and forth. It goes on tangents. It, it does whatever. But like, for me, that's one of the things I value about Rogan. Cause it'll be like, Hey Joe, my dad just died. And he'll be like, yo, Jamie, pull up that video of that monkey who's spearfishing. And you're like, what are you talking about, dude? You just went completely in the wrong direction. <laughs> but that's entertaining to me. It is. So if you go back to worldview, like I could think of like the main pillar of our worldviews, like Steve just out of college has, um, you know, a traditional job trying to start his own side hustle. You're a little bit older. You're more worried about raising your kids. You've been in a job for longer, but still have that passion on the side. And then me, I'm kind of like non-traditional job, trying to figure out my career path as I go. What would you add to those sort of main basic worldviews? I think we have a good age span as well. Yeah, Brett. Yeah, Brett, where are you at in terms of – because me and Mike talk about this all the time where I'm very tactical. Like I just want to – like I I like that step-by-step stuff. Um, You know, that's why like, you know, a Dave Ramsey plan or something, regardless of what you think about it, like the plan itself, you know, being step-by-step is really attractive to me because I just like, all right, I completed this going on to the next. Uh, where, you know, Mike's definitely very high level, like wants problems that are extremely difficult. There's no step-by-step program to solve it. Uh, Where do you feel like you fit? uh, Do you fit like somewhere in the middle or do you gravitate towards one or the other? I think I've played around with both enough. Uh, I, I think you kind of need both. Like I, it's, I've, I've found that uh, potentially it's, it's more for me, it's, it's starting with why. So that's for me, like it has to be a strong why, like why the heck am I doing any of this? Um, and then dive into more of like the, the what and how. 
uh, and even the who, like who should I look to to kind of pursue this this path? Um, once I've kind of defined a why, and I think my big why, in the most basic terms, and I think uh, you know I pursued degrees in history and film. It, it's it's all about truth. So pathways to truth, like how do I find truth through storytelling? How do I find truth through research? Um, and then now, like through through faith, that's another kind of way I'm trying to do it as well. Is like, how do I pursue truth through through faith and grappling with you know a lot of my skepticism, uh, but also I think I'm, I'm more. I, I think I've discovered now I'm more of a like heart centered person than a mind centered person. I think I lead with feeling first. Yeah, I would. I'm in terms of like Steve's question, I agree. Like you, I think you go kind of both ways there. Um, Nassim Taleb talks about like the barbell strategy where you have like high risk on one, one end, and then you have uh, low risk on the other end. And that's like the majority of your portfolio. So if you think about a barbell in a gym, that would be like the majority of the weights on the sides. I think of you more as like the bar. So like you can kind of go on either side of the weight and you kind of balance yourself in the middle. I think like you're the center voice here that understands Steve and understands me when we say something. That's a super helpful visual. Yeah, I can, I can see that. And I think, I think kind of playing those respective roles in the conversation um, really helps. And I think what's interesting and that's where some disagreements kind of come in is like the three of us saying something unexpected, you know? And I think that's where that, that comes to like you know, a certain topic might come up and you might respond a certain way to it. That's like surprising to you and surprising to other people. Yeah. And then, um, so how, how does everyone think about that in terms of like when a guest comes on four voices in an hour, that's like, not ideal like that may be too many voices especially without video but like say ryan comes on how do you think about that interview process and making sure that the guest is number one and then the three how do you think about the flow of all that uh i would say so you've talked about this, Mike, where you have like, you have like a really important, important point and you just don't know where, if you should like cut in or not. I think it's like, I think it's super okay to cut in like when Brett and I are talking about if you feel like it adds like, you know, ton of value uh, to the conversation that we're talking about. I feel like when it comes to a guest though, something that for me that I really enjoy is when, you know, interviewers let the guest finish with an answer. And I feel like, especially with four people, um, that's even more important if if all three of us have uh you know the freedom to cut in whenever we feel like it i think there's just too many people there and it can get really messy so i think if we're bringing on a guest i think letting them answer is extremely important um i don't have a ton else that i got to think about it more but that's definitely one thing that that popped out is just making sure we're, we're letting the guests finish their answer and not cutting in too much. Yeah, Steve, hundred percent. I mean, well, I think it goes to the, 
why you listen to certain interviewers, you know, if they're, if they're cutting people off, um, it just takes you out of it. It's kind of just, it's frustrating. Um, so that, honestly, I think just establishing amongst the three of us, uh, some norms, some structures that will, will help us kind of mitigate any of those situations where like all three of us are jumping in to tackle like a, a response or another question. Um, I think you can kind of build out the bones a bit pretty easily and yeah, it's going to be imperfect, but I think we all kind of have a, a pretty good sense of where one of us may want to jump in and also just like equity of voice, you know, understanding like, like, okay, I, <laughs> I just talked for 15 minutes. Like, let me, uh, let me hop off mic for the rest of this. And yeah, so what it really comes down to then it seems like is uh better question. So like, yeah, these get, these people go on these podcast tours and it's like, you, once you've seen one interview, you've pretty much seen them all because they're all asking the same question. So it'd be better questions would be the differentiator. How do you think about better questions? Like what is a way to get to better questions? What is a way to differentiate in the questions you're asking? I'd say uh, one of the one of the best questions that it's kind of like a cheat in a way. It's like asking the question of like, you know, what's one thing that you wished I asked you? Yeah. <laughs> you know, like really helps to kind of let them maybe speak to a point that they may not have gotten to before. Um, and that could also really be one of the best questions to kind of get them talking about one of their interests or, or points. But um I think almost kind of setting a little bit of an agenda in the beginning of like, okay, I want to make sure we hit on these key pieces. Um, but how, how do we elicit a response that really taps into like the, the character of the guest? So really thinking about the story, but um, really thinking about stuff like, you know, turning points in their lives, um, but also like, you know, what was going through your head at that moment or, you know, just really kind of diving into like the psychology, like the inner workings, like we were talking about. If we try to dial into that, um, it, it could help really kind of get some of those, um, some those thought processes going for the guests to, that they may not have engaged in before. You know, it's, it's really not asking those surface level questions, uh, but really the psychology. Yeah, and that probably to add comes down to some research before, and um, you know, it's kind of for me in my mind that's like the Sean Evans effect, the guy from Hot Ones. They always say like, "Wow, man, you asked the best questions. Like, how the hell did you figure that out?" And back to your trust point, that kind of builds the trust for the rest of the interview. Like, if you can come up with something that they're like, "Jesus, how did you know that, dude?" Like, you kind of build rapport and trust just in one question. Yeah, my only my only counter to that, Mike, because I was thinking about that exact same point, uh, is at least uh, for the initial guests. Like, I'm assuming they're not going to have a ton of footprint on on the like on Google. I mean, they may have if we're finding them, but like, where do you guys think about that? Like, it's not like googling like a Gary V or someone that has a ton of footprint on the on the internet where you can get a ton of information. Like, how do you how would you go about researching? 
A lot of them are early, yes. Stalk their Facebook. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so I saw in uh, 2013 you had a small dog. What happened to that dog? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and I think like, you know, there's ways to kind of get under it and just, just kind of like asking questions like, you know, what do people normally get wrong about you? Um, you know, kind of like letting, letting them build their character, letting them kind of, you know, bring things to the table that are kind of unknowns, but I don't know, we can be creative with it. And I think we'll have to definitely workshop them and test them out and just kind of, yeah, the more, the more we talk about it here, the easier it feels for me. Like, yep. it's just like, Hey, it doesn't really matter. Just get someone on, talk to them. All right. We'll figure something out. Um, and obviously you get better over time. I, I like that Jordan Peterson thing of, uh, start with a shitty plan. So you make a shitty plan and then you iterate on top of it. He thinks that's like the quickest way rather than like, Oh, let's sit here for hours and hours and hours and make the best plan. I think it's a balance, but um, start with a shitty plan and then just iterate on top of it. I think is a good philosophy for moving forward. So you've been thinking about just like play around with the idea and thinking about, um, bringing Ryan on as a guest, like how would you guys think about even like starting it? Uh, do you do you do you jump right into the questions you want to ask? Um, like where do you guys where do you guys see uh, the balance of like the initial small talk versus just getting right into it? Like how do you guys think about that stuff? And you can use Ryan like as an example just to like get the just for the exercise. Yeah, Ryan, uh, cousin Mike here. How's Florida? <laughs> that that would be my intro. <laughs> That's a shitty first time. <laughs> uh, no, I mean, I, I think about, you know, try, try not to be redundant here, but like what – do, do you want to start, you know, the end, the middle, the beginning of the of of his story or what, what we think his story is? You know, I'm his brother. I, I don't even know his story. So I would say. Um, I mean, what you could do, and, and this is what some interviewers do, is like they just focus on the present moment. It's like, all right, so it's May 30th. Uh, you know, coronavirus, quarantine, pandemic, you're in Florida, how's that going? Just kind of warming up there because as a business owner, it's, it, it could be interesting. It's very like topical, but you know, people listen to that a year from now. It's like, eh, what is, it, it, it might take them out of it. So it's like, do you go with like the very present or do you got kind of go with something that's a little more evergreen? Yeah. I, I think again, I, it seems like all the answers comes back to it's a balance, but I would say it's a balance because like there's also sometimes when you're listening and you're like some big news happened and you're like, why the hell are they not talking about that? So it feels like a little cold in the moment. It might work better a year from now, but if we got people going back a year into our podcast, we're doing something right. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so I think topical, it, it makes sense. I mean, it's also the easiest, I think, to engage with um, because it's a common reference point for all four of us. Yeah, it's like, it's small talk. It's like, uh, 
Ah, lovely weather we're having today. How you been? <laughs> Stevie, what do you got? Yeah, because yeah, it's the it's definitely it's subjective. Because like for me, if Ryan was brought on, like I'd be you know I'd be curious of like what even sparked the inspiration to you know start your own t like our t-shirt like he did like a t-shirt store if i'm remembering correctly like even dating back to that kind of stuff that would be interesting mm-hmm. um so i don't know if it, it just i'm trying to think of like how can you start to game plan um how you build an episode out and i'm wondering is it building like a a set way of interviewing or is it entirely based on the guest um like is is Ryan his background requiring different uh, different practice and preparation than someone else, or is it like a, kind of like a structured way of doing it? But that's just how my brain always works, so that may not work for okay. either of you. Um, I think there's a structure that could work for most guests. I mean, I think there's like um, you know there's some basic points to hit on but asking questions that get them to talk about their their thought process as well as kind of just like the emotion of it just kind of like asking about asking about fear and desire you know just trying to get it get at those core core emotions um and just kind of like how they think about i mean i think we talked about last time like how do you what's your relationship with risk um you know what do you think, you know, got you to where you are? Like, you know, what, what kind of went into it? Um, just kind of thinking of the ingredients of entrepreneurship and how it's going to look different for people. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's kind of just trying to be as broad as possible to then kind of narrow it down to, to their specific story. Yeah, I think, I think emotions are huge because I think that's what a lot of podcasts are missing. You have like this perfectly crafted story. And you just repeat it over and over again. But if you throw in some sort of an emotion question or like, how are you feeling through this process? That, that's what I'm looking for in podcasts from a lot of these people. Like, tell me when it was most scary. Tell me when, um, you know, what was your first entrepreneurial moment? Like the oldest kind of thing you can remember being an entrepreneur. It's going to be like, oh, I went around the block and shoveled driveways or, oh, I painted and sold shells whatever it is but i think those are cool stories too that maybe again build trust and it's like all right this is this is a different sort of conversation out of curiosity brett um you know thinking back to childhood uh as a kid were you encouraged or put in any positions to take on like an entrepreneurial role uh, whether it is like, uh, you know, pulling a Mark Cuban and selling garbage bags door to door or like, um, and do you feel like it might be tough to remember? Do you feel like Ryan was exposed to any of those things early? Just curious how, like, yeah. you know, coming from, cause even my family, I think we're, we're, we're similar, but we're, we're different in many ways. So it's just interesting to, think about how childhood like kind of impacted how you are as an adult yeah i mean this this actually might not be something you guys are super familiar with like my dad um i mean he's sold sports cards and sports memorabilia his whole life he's still doing it now in retirement he's actually like 
he's kind of crushing it right now. He's, he's doing it a lot. Um, so, I mean, I saw that growing up. I would go with my dad to card shows, you know, like go to Hofstra University. He would like sit up a table, put out his cards, kind of wheel and deal. Um, so I would go, I would go to a lot of those with him uh, and like earn whatever, 10 bucks for the day so I can get a few packs of cards. You know, funnily enough, in the beginning, I was buying just like, you know, baseball, hockey, basketball, you know, and then I turned to, to Star Wars cards. Um, but yeah, he definitely instilled in me that like you can have a side hustle. And I mean, yeah, he he definitely is, is pretty attuned to like the market of, of sports and sports memorabilia. And he can really uh, uh, get get super detailed on stuff i mean he's he's sending cards out now to kind of to like rating agencies to like get them rated and graded um so that was like probably my first exposure and then just like you know picking up a snow shovel shoveling driveways with friends raking leaves uh i went to like stores in town with a broom to be like hey you got a lot of sand in your parking lot let me sweep that up for you for 20 bucks so i did that probably when i was in like fourth fifth sixth grade maybe um so yeah i mean i, I feel like i kind of always had that bug to like kind of go out on my own and do stuff and then had a ton of like odd jobs from you know 13 to 24 doing all sorts of stuff including being like a janitor at my at my high school for two summers working 40 hours a week you know waxing floors oh, wow, I didn't know yeah i didn't know that either and Sam, Sam has her own thing going now too, right? Where she's uh, restoring furniture. Yeah, she had her own shop. She was doing that. Uh, she was even doing some like interior design stuff. She got some clients, but with kids and all, she's kind of taken uh, a little bit of hiatus from that. Um, but she's still like, she has an Etsy store and she's selling um, like kind of screen prints, like sayings that you can kind of buy as PDFs to print on whatever, you know uh canvas or a mug or something she's doing pretty well with that and that's that's cool because she doesn't have to like make it herself she just kind of makes it once and then sells the the image yeah yeah it's a, i think even uh obviously like parents are like that but even if you think about grandpa grandpa's the same way it's very uh entrepreneurial very think through things uh collect all those same qualities very true. And if you think through the family, like Melissa's got her own Etsy store with, she sells like hats or something, but it's like everyone kind of has this in the DNA and we're all trying to hash out in different ways. But I think Ryan's been the person who's kind of most dove into it. hundred percent. So can we get Ryan on next week or how does that work? Yeah, I'm going to keep bugging him. Okay. Uh, I've, I've told him a few times. He actually did a podcast with someone a while back, he said. Um, but he's he's excited to, to hop on with us. So, yeah, I'll try to I'll try to lock something in. Yeah, Ryan, you mind uh, passing that podcast along so uh, we know what we're doing? <laughs> <laughs> he said he struggled with it. He's like, yeah, I, he's like, I couldn't form a, a complete team. Yeah. Well, that that's, again, like where, like, the trust and, like, the funny and all that comes. So it's, like, a lot easier for him to do all that. Exactly. Yeah. 
that's probably one of the things that Rogan is the best at because you get on there and like someone will be freaking out and he'll either you know he, he's got a good personality to keep asking questions or he's, he's just really good at kind of relating to people so that's another entertainment factor that you could add to the list yeah i think it's also easy to like kind of put that as like label him as like the natural or whatever but i feel like that just really comes with a ton of practice i feel like the more you practice it the more you seem like a natural um, so that's why, you know, just getting into the, getting into the fire and start asking questions to real guests, I think is going to help a ton. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you watch uh JRE number one, he ain't no natural. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. But the first video, we should definitely, uh, put some snowflakes on our video as well, just to, uh, yeah. So, just, we yeah. don't even have it. Yeah. Just put Keep the tradition anyway. alive, you know? <laughs> All right. So yeah, go ahead. One wonder kind of with you guys, I have a decent sense of it, but you know, what, what are you interested in that people would be surprised by? You can start Mike, I guess I'm good with it. Uh, paintings from the 1400s. <laughs> The era, your favorite the era, uh, the era fourteen hundred to fourteen oh seven. There's this guy. Some good uh, Dutch painters. Yeah, there's this uh, this guy, uh, Jerhoen Verhoen. Jerhoen Verhoen. Yeah, he's good. Yeah. All right. Uh, <laughs> We're just interested in general yeah, yeah. interest I, that you think. Right now, I'm really, like, dialing into, like, business, finance, and, like, how things work. And, I mean, I'm on, I'm on like, a little uh, structure of society path right now, which is kind of, like, a weird interest. But I'm watching videos on YouTube that are, like, why are streets made the way streets are made? So, like, why does the cul-de-sac, why did that come to be? And, like, all the planning to kind of lay out a grid of, like, buildings and streets and then the structure of like the food industry and why the cattle ranchers are getting screwed through this and like why there's going to be meat shortages and why the quality of our meat has gone down. So like big picture structure stuff is a weird topic that I've been diving heavy into. We should definitely get a guest on that talks about that. Yeah. That, that, that would be cool. Yeah. Like even like these cattle ranchers, like you can learn a lot about nutrition and like, and why the why the way why things are the way they are just by talking to like a cattle rancher yeah they seem like reachable Uh, and i I think they're almost more interesting because you could uh it's like why like for example meat the meat production was changed because McDonald's orders the most meat. So they needed a consistent patty that would taste the same all across the country and then all across the world. And that's why we changed our supply chains and all of our infrastructure around farming. So that's like an interesting thing that probably not a lot of people know that explains a lot with what's going on with nutrition in current day. Did you guys see the movie, the founder? 
Is that on? That's on Ray Kroc, right? Yeah. Yeah, I've seen uh, most of it. Solid movie. Yeah. There's this really good documentary on. Uh, I bought it on YouTube. It's like a dollar an episode, but it's called "The Foods That Built America," and it's on I think History Channel. Unbelievable! It goes through KFC, McDonald's, Hershey's, all the big name Coca-Cola, all the big name food companies, and kind of like goes through their histories and how they were formed. It's really good. Highly recommended. Best documentary of the week. Steve, what do you got for uh, interests? Yeah, I mean, for me, like, you two know it. So, like, really getting into the weeds of, like, nutrition and, and just, like, trying, you know, specific ways of eating. Um, you know, that's not necessarily surprising, like, to, to you. But I feel like um, that doesn't always show through to, let's say, like, the people in, like, in my job. Like, um, that's something that I've been trying to to work on uh obviously now i'm working from home but like prior to that i was trying to work on like bringing my complete self regardless of the situation uh i feel like i try to mold to situations too often so like i'll kind of adjust my personality depending on you know what's needed in that situation uh and i just feel like that's a bad like that's a bad path to go down uh, because then you're never truly any like anything. So like you're not connecting with, you're trying to connect with everybody. So you're not connecting with anyone. Um, I don't know if you guys feel like, I don't know if you guys deal with that at all. Um, but I, I definitely noticed it from, you know, like my dad and my brothers, like they, they tend to do the same. So I kind of, pick that up where I'm trying to break free from that, where like, I'm just going to bring who I am to the situation always. And then like, just being okay with the potential chance that you're not going to agree or not going to like, you know, my viewpoints or personality, like that's perfectly fine because when you are actually yourself, you actually, you'll connect with someone on a deeper level than if you're trying to connect with anyone. Um, I don't know if you guys deal with that at all in, in social settings. I know I went on a little tangent there, but, um, I find that to be interesting as well. No, dude, all the time. <laughs> like that's uh, bringing your whole self, you know, especially to work. Oh my gosh, it's uh, that's tough. And and it's and I think it has something to do with uh, risk. You know, there's definitely like taking a risk at work is kind of hard sometimes. You're like with those folks all the time, and like you say something, and someone's like, "Whoa, definitely didn't think you liked that guy." Um, <laughs> Like if I even bring up like Jordan Peterson, like people will be like, oh, that guy, he's, he's crazy right wing. And I'm like, that's eh, not really, but um, you know, there's, there's stuff like that, that unfortunately just kind of gets in the way of solid relationships. I feel like a lot of the relationships that I've found at work tend to be superficial or transactional. Um, but I've had some, some pretty close and deep, deep friend friendships and it's, where I've been able to just kind of be myself. Um, yeah, I agree with that. I feel like, uh, you know, it tends to be superficial, but like, then I try to flip it on its head and like question myself and my like assuming things and like creating a reality that doesn't necessarily have to be. 
Um, so I, I think about that a lot because I feel like I face something similar in the, in the work culture that like, I'm not really talking about these conversations that the three of us are talking about ever, but is that because I'm not taking the lead and bringing it up or is it just simply, you know, I'm going down a, a different path from like an intellectual standpoint. Uh, and what, one thing that so I, it took, it, it took a long time for me to kind of get here, but like just saying to a colleague, like someone said like, Oh, what are you doing this weekend? And I'm like, I'm actually hosting game night with my church. And that was like big. Cause it was like, you know, people don't think of me as like a church person. Um, I still have a, a weird time with it, you know, cause I haven't really been, but uh, just saying that. And then just kind of saying like, yeah, here's, here's kind of like why that's important to me. You know, it's, it's all about, for me, it's all about community. Uh, and it's all about kind of compassion for other people. And like, and, and we have a pretty like hyper local church. It's like kind of all centered around our, our neighborhood for the about kind of South Brooklyn. Um, but yeah, like I felt so much better after I said it, I was like, okay, cool. Like I'm able to bring like 10% more of myself to work. Um, I just tried kind of, uh, trying to find situations where I could bring it up more again, like not in this like threatening way where like, oh my gosh, this guy's going to start talking about Jesus. Like that's like not at all what I'm going to do, you know, like <laughs> but it's more just about kind of like how, again, going back to like truth, like. I'm using that as a way to kind of pursue truth through the lens of faith. And like, for me, it's like, I'm still trying to understand a lot of these mysteries that are around me that like, I just don't understand. And like, I'm kind of resorting to faith to kind of understand that versus through like the, the mind. Again, it's more going into like the heart. So bringing your heart to work is hard, but I've found like, it's the only way for me to like lead a team is to like be empathetic and compassionate and real. That's really the only way to do it successfully. From like my vantage point. Yeah. And I, I think about like, I think about my own life where uh, I've always had like a f small group of friends. So like in high school, I had a small group of friends and then like to say I've really like one true, like good best friend. And I, I would take that over, you know, 10 or 15 friends, any day, like average friends any day of the week, like one true like brother, like friendship type thing. So like knowing that I, I, I wonder like why I try to like why I feel the need to be liked by so many people when I don't really require many relationships. Like I just I'd rather way rather, you know, quality over quantity. Um, so I don't know if it's like a insecurity thing but understand like i understand that i want just a i'd rather a handful of quality relationships than you know 15 or 20 average uh so interested why like i act that way but uh yeah but that's like deeply genetic and like reptile brain because like if you got turned away by the tribe you're you wouldn't survive so it's normal to kind of like that's how a society's built everyone's doing the same thing. It's, yeah. it's not you. It's, it's a very human condition. Yeah. Self preservation. But I think there's kind of like levels to it. You know, I think some of us kind of um, are okay with just having like 10 or 15 kind of like 
acquaintances or, or average friends and others like you know you have that like deep desire to have like a, a very close friendship um yeah, i mean i think it kind of is is kind of on a on a scale um but yeah i think to that end like there's there are kind of your, your interests um uh your skills but also kind of like your behaviors and i think for me, a big behavior is just like relationships, like how you relate to people. What do your relationships look like? Um, so Steve, you kind of, you talked about that a bit, but like, Mike, what do you think about kind of relationships in terms of like friends, family? Yeah. I'd, I've been thinking, I think like, from a general worldview, I think family is going to become more important over the next 10 years. I think like maybe the last 20 years, like the family's kind of broke up. You could see it in our family and how everyone's moved all across the world. And, you know, we grew up, we had the benefit of having all the cousins close, all the aunts close. You know, we had 30 people every day in the summer. Um, and that's over the last five to 10 years kind of broken up. I think that's going to come back moving forward. I think there's going to be more of a push to family, more of a push to faith. Like I think religion's going to make like a little bounce back here. Um, I think people in general are looking for quality relationships. And I think that's something that's kind of been put on the back burner for the last five, 10, 20 years. I, I know that's what I'm looking for. I know you two are looking for that. It seems like, it's coming back roaring. <laughs> yeah. And the pandemic definitely has, has, I think made it crystal clear to people like how much they need people and that people, especially in person, I think, or, or just like human connection brings you, brings you energy that nothing else really can. Yeah. Yeah. Even if you're introverted, like you, you need to, regardless of your personality type social is in a way like oxygen, like you need to be around uh, other people. Um, it's less, like you're saying it's level to it. It's less for some more for others, but it's definitely like a requirement. What, um, I, Brett, how do you think about no, just one point? I think uh, everything's moving more local too. I think you're seeing that like from a local is family. And I think we're, we're kind of, you know, Amazon, like you had like the Amazon era here where we kind of like offloaded everything to a distant entity. And then you had Facebook and all that stuff. And that kind of covered your relationships and your social. I think everything's moving back local. And if you think about what is local, it's your community, it's your family. And then it would be like historically, like some sort of a church or faith-based thing. Mm -hmm. um, you know, Sunday dinners for Italians, that four o'clock Sunday dinner at grandma's house. Uh, I think all that stuff's going to yeah, that's all local, and I think that's kind of where we're going heading forward. Go ahead, Steve. Yeah, I was just going to ask, like, what Brett's thoughts were on, like, doubling down on the on the the tr like the quote unquote tribe you have, and creating your own tribe. So, like, um, like my family is not going to really be able to provide what I need from like these types of conversations. Like, so like 
going out and trying to build like my own tribe that's going to like be interested in these things. I'm curious if you've given that any thought, like, yeah, I don't know. Just like, how how do I, how do I build a circle around? I think around that interest. Family is always going to be a part of your life, you know, to to some degree. Um, And I feel like in some cases you kind of fight for it. So in my situation, I mean, my whole like kind of nuclear family could be in Florida, you know, within a year. And, you know, that's tough for me, but, you know, in, in making a decision, it's like, do I choose Florida or Brooklyn? I'm like, yeah, I choose Brooklyn because that's for me, like I'm, I'm, we call it doing life in, in our church, like doing life together. Um, if you, if you think about like, who, who are you doing life with? Uh, what are the, the key elements of that? Um, I really think that like, you are able to kind of choose your friends. You're not really able to choose your family. And no matter how strong your family is, um, there's going to be some gaps, you know? And, and I think it's important to, for me, it's like, a push and pull so like who who am i kind of like pulling toward me by again like being authentic and real and like really putting myself out there and not just being like kind of an empty vessel so i can kind of like attract um but then also like what am i seeking so trying to be proactive about like okay who's kind of in my local neighborhood that i could that i can connect with on these things um and and the funny thing is like just my interest from like whatever fifth sixth grade i played this like nerdy star wars game you know it really got me into like playing games and that's been like a conduit for me just to connect with other dads in the neighborhood and like once a month like hey like let's rotate houses and just like play some strategy games together and just kind of like build relationships through that um and that's been like the past five years and it's been just like tremendous i've helped like grow a circle of friends just through like one interest um, but it brings like a diverse kind of set of people to the table. Yeah. It's important to that. You took action on that because like, even how you prefaced it, you're saying like, you know, I started this nerdy game. It's yep. easy to put like a label like on it and make it seem like that. It's like, all right, no one's going to be interested in this. So I think it's important to note that, that like, there's more people mm-hmm. like you than you think. I think that's an important takeaway for me as well as like, you always think you're like some this unique person that not a lot of people are going to relate to, but uh, I think you, yeah, I think, it, and I'm talking to myself mainly is like you're probably surprised with the reception you get if you're authentic more. Like you're probably going to receive positive more than you are negative. Um, and even in your own family. Uh, how do you go about like if you're getting negative like like you said you can't choose your family or you can choose friends but like when it comes to family if you're receiving like negative energy um how do you go about like distancing yourself from that or making sure that like doesn't take over real estate in your brain it's hard it's it's hard because it's it's kind of yeah you know i'm sure you guys have had this experience but like you know you go to your childhood home um or just kind of put yourself in situations that remind you of childhood. like your, your identity changes pretty quickly. Um, so I think it's really zooming out and identifying 
the, the, the key boundaries that you need to kind of set. And I think one boundary can be physical, you know, so having a distance, but I think the other is, is really kind of the emotional and setting those emotional boundaries um, and being, being very explicit about those. Cause I think in families, I mean, it's classic. Like so many things are like left unsaid like all the time. And especially around the holidays, there's always like these heightened feelings. Um, so I think, I think what I've learned is just like, it's, it's about boundaries and being clear. And again, like bringing your full self and just be like, yep, this is who I am. And like, this is, you know, and I am, I am an adult. <laughs> and, and that's also the hardest thing. I think so many people struggle with is like, you're not the person you were when you were 13. And like, that's just, that's just a fact. And I think yeah. you can often get pigeonholed in your family as being one thing. Yeah, I'll say uh, in Burma, Corey talks about this a lot where he, he spent six months in Burma and he's like meditating for six months straight and he comes home and he sits down in uh, like the childhood seat he used to eat dinner at. And he's like, I got triggered by everything. It's like I just spent six months meditating. I thought I was enlightened. I thought I did all these things. The minute I sat in that childhood chair at the childhood dinner table, it all came back. So he's like <laughs> – it you know, just to show you, like, it's not like you're going to override that with anything you do. It's more like how, how can you surf that wave and kind of, uh, know that that's going to happen and still be okay. And I think the way I try to think about things is I think about everything as like a tool and it's like whatever job you're doing or whatever tool you have that determines the next action. So like, you wouldn't go to your parents and talk to them about health food, even though we do that all the time, but you would talk to maybe this group or someone else that you find. So it's kind of like what, if everyone's a tool, what is that tool useful for and what can it help me with or what is relevant to the tool? I think that's a good way to kind of look at it and look at yourself as kind of the tool belt that holds all the tools together. And we're at last word, so whoever wants it, take it. All right, no one wants <laughs> it. Um, yeah, just to wrap up, I think for me, uh, one of the things that I, I think uh, interviewing is something that it's hard to pre-plan. Obviously, you got to do a little bit of work. I think that work comes more in the direction of research but I think it's something that like, as long as you're having fun with it, it's going to be fun for everyone involved. Um, I think it's easy to overthink. I also think it's easy to underthink. So some sort of a balance between some pre-planning and then letting it flow, I think is the ideal strategy that you'll figure out as you do it. Yeah, no, I would say, for me, uh, even asking those few questions on the latter half of this podcast, like they're a bit, po you know, more personal, a bit more vulnerable. And like immediately my brain thinks, all right, this is, this is boring for anyone. If anyone's listening, uh, you know, I try to move the topic, but I actually think that those types of conversations are, are extremely important. And I think that there's going to be, I think there would be a lot of people that would relate to those type of questions. I think like, especially, you know, family boundaries, I think is a huge topic. Um, so I'm going to try to 
myself try to bring, you know, if I'm feeling a vulnerable or I, I feel like I need to talk about something personal, I think I should have the freedom to do that. And I think the two of you should think of it the same way. I think that we have massive benefit with having three vantage points here. And Mike, what you said about the barbell, like, I think we're going to get a lot of reps in through the three of us and, and be able to provide feedback really like quickly and, and kind of pivot, uh, you know, as much as we need to. Um, I think, you know, having these reps in already of just doing this podcast, you know, we're building trust, getting a sense of kind of our flow and rhythm and just kind of like where I think where we're strong and kind of how we complement each other. So, yeah, I think we're going to get like, we're going to get the reps in and, but it's almost like, it's like three people working out, you know, for, for, for one kind of collective unit. So I'm pretty, I'm pretty stoked about that. Yeah. I think just to speak to that, I think like we've gotten a lot better at uh, even, I know exactly when you guys are going to talk now. And I know like in the beginning, that was even choppy where it's like, Oh, I got oh, oh, And it's like, stop and go. I don't feel like we do that nearly as much. And, uh, that's just obviously you couldn't be like, Hey, let's not cut each other off more. Uh, you had to just kind of like figure it out, get the rhythm down as you did it. And I think that'll continue to be valuable or improved. Uh, last, last word who wants it 15 to 30 seconds. All right, I got it. So Mike, you, you brought to mind this quote from Ram Das. He said, if you, if you oh. think you are enlightened, go spend a week with your family. <laughs> I like that. We're going quotes, and now I got to pull up a quote. <laughs> you know that same river twice quote? Yes. That's so my good. favorite quote ever. Do you know it off the top of your head? It's my favorite quote ever, but I couldn't quote it. You cannot step in the same river twice for it is not the same river and you are not the same person. Something like that. That's, that's my last word, Steve. Same man, man. Yeah. This, uh, this podcast is brought to you by <clears throat> Sam Pellegrino. <laughs> Mineral water for the inner workings. This podcast brought to you by that's Sam Pellegrino making tap water undrinkable since 1899. <laughs> All right. Peace. Till next Saturday. Get Ryan on. Enjoy the week, boys.